Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McAllen. Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky introduced the Medical Non-Visual Accessibility Act, or H.R. 4853, to the House of Representatives on July 29th. The act focuses on making home medical devices and equipment accessible to all blind and visually impaired Americans. Joining us in explaining how H.R. 4853 affects us is ACB's Advocacy and Outreach Specialist, Swatha Nandha Kumar. Also joining us to talk about the act is ACB Diabetics in Action President Tom Tobin. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for having us, Brian. It's always fun to present with Swatha. Glad you're both here. Tell us about yourselves. Go ahead, Swatha. Yeah, so I am ACB's Advocacy Outreach Specialist. Um, I joined the role in March, and I'm working on policy issues and outreach to um, constituents and to uh, outside disability groups. And so, yeah, great to be here. You're just a little busy, I'm sure, Swatha. So, So, Brian, thanks so much for having us on your show. Um, Again, my name is Tom Tobin. Um, My journey with diabetes started in 1973 when I was nine. So those of you that can do the math fast, you now know how old I am. live with uh, the disease um, and start having issues with my vision in 1985, complications from long-term diabetes, uh, what's called diabetic retinopathy. Uh, briefly did thousands of laser treatments in each eye to try and slow the progression of the abnormal blood vessels growing on the back of my eye. Um, had some success with that. I was able to get through my junior year at Kenyon. Um, but literally when I woke up, uh, I, one of my retinas had detached. So I drove back to Cleveland, not realizing how my other eye was in bad shape and uh, drove in the driveway, put the car in park, turned off the ignition. That's the last time I ever drove a car. Um, spent the next six months in and out of the Cleveland clinic uh, having surgery, what they call vitrectomies, to try and repair the damage and put the retinas back in place. And uh, long story short is that we had some success in one eye, but the retinopathy was so aggressive, it, it came right back and pulled the retina back off the eye again. And even though we conducted one more surgery, that was the ball game. So I basically went from 2020 to zero in the span of one year, Brian, pretty, pretty quick. Tom, you guys, tell us more about the new act and ACB's Diabetics in Action's involvement with the act. Well, I would love to, and I certainly welcome Swatha's input. But um, just by way of background, in the late 80s, there was no such thing as accessible anything and accessible blood glucose monitors to check your blood sugars, devices to deliver insulin, uh, very, very few choices out there. And they have to be together. So you have to be able to know what your blood sugar is to know how much insulin to deliver. Um, so we worked very hard and we worked with LifeScan, a subsidiary of Johnson & Johnson. And they showed us, they sent two engineers to Cleveland. I was working at the Cleveland site at the time. And they showed us how to build a talking attachment, which uh, we didn't end up doing it, but the American Foundation for the Blind ended up doing it. So we had our first fully accessible talking glucose meter in 1988. And Think about it, guys. I, I had all these great rehab training skills. I could read and write Braille, travel independently, 
activities of daily living, but I couldn't live by myself because I couldn't check my blood sugars. I needed somebody to read the, the screen to me. So this was a huge transition for me and for all diabetics impacted by vision impairment. So you fast forward to today, Brian Swatha, and you've got what I would term uh, another tremendous opportunity to uh, legislate pharma to integrate what we call universal design into their biotech so that um, just like iOS and Google, right out of the box, the devices work for everybody, whether you can see or not. Um, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And uh, this this bill that's out there right now is really just in its infancy. I should let Swatha talk more about the bill, but um it's still in subcommittee, but uh, for your listeners, I'd like to uh, encourage them to help us advocate for this bill and basically reach out to their uh, representatives and their senators on the House side. Uh, just to ask your representative to co-sponsor this bill, H.R. 4853. And in the Senate, you might want to ask them to uh, craft a companion bill so that um, we can get something cooking over on, on the Senate side. But this is a... I don't want to say once in a lifetime, but it's uh, not too often that we have an opportunity to get legislation that could dramatically change lives because those of us living with diabetes, whether it's type 1 or type 2, need access, and I mean full accessibility to these devices like insulin pumps, uh, continuous glucose monitors, just regular glucometers to check your blood sugar. Uh, and the act also has... Um, targeting also some other devices such as blood pressure monitors, oximeters, some other things that, you know, we all use and people who are blind can't use these devices because they're not fully accessible. Well, pretty yeah. soon they probably will be able to. Um, so Swatha, would HR 4853 change the old federal food drug and cosmetic act to start applying these new, the new non-visual accessibility standards to both class two and class three devices with digital interfaces? And can you define some of these standards and what, and what this class two and class three means? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this act would definitely amend this, would amend the federal food drug and cosmetic act to incorporate it's a, it's a full design in the beginning stages of development for these devices and for devices that interfaces that um, are digital and that don't already come with tactile, tactile markings or um, audible tones or yeah, or um, speech output. And so this bill um, would apply to class two and three devices. So class two devices, class three devices, um, they refer to how, how much risk um, a device or um, a Medical advice would would impose on that would impose or would on the on the user. So, like um, class one would, would be like, like tongue depressors, so they don't really pose any, any risk to the user. And class two would be more like catheters or something that like goes in, like um, yeah, or like that can um freak the skin. Insulin, insulin pens, yeah, insulin pens, anything that can deliver a medication, a needle-based uh, uh, device like an insulin pen, epinephrine pen. Sorry, I keep going, close, Father. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, no, absolutely. Um, that was class two, class three would be like implant, implantable devices, so like pacemakers or um, yeah, implants for surgical surgical implants. So 
Yeah, it just depends on what kind of risk you have. You're, and and Swath is right on the money here, Brian. Um, the reason that we have, like for insulin pens, there's a disclaimer language in the in the uh, documentation that comes that says that blind or visually impaired diabetics counter mandated that they use these devices um, because you could literally, if you dial up enough insulin, you could kill yourself. And the same is true with the tier three. Um, those are things, as Swatha said, like insulin pumps. If you misuse an insulin pump, you can get over-deliver insulin. And you could possibly very uh, you know, much harm yourself or potentially even kill yourself. So, um, But we have done study after study on, uh, for example, a colleague of mine did a study on insulin pen use, and she surveyed, I forget how many it was, but a significant cross-section of blind and visually impaired diabetics against a cross-section of people who could see. And as the results turned out, people who are blind and visually impaired were much more accurate in their dosing than their sighted peers. Um, so it kind of refuted the, the documentation that says blind diabetics shouldn't use pens. And so um, that's a really important um, point to make, because even though the potential's there to hurt oneself, um, those of us who are blind and visually impaired and diabetic and using these devices, um, we have to, by definition, Brian, be much, much more careful than our sighted counterparts because we could make a mistake and we could hurt ourselves. In fact, we do unfortunately have a legal precedent where a gentleman wasn't, he wasn't visually impaired. He was cognitively impaired. And it was back in the day when insulin pens just let you kept pushing more insulin into your body and he overdosed on insulin and killed himself. So very sad story. Yeah, absolutely. Do blood pressure monitors, do they also, are they also included as a part of this act? Yes, they are. So anything you can, you can, um, use to test your home for home use. So medical, home use equipment. So. Anything digital based, right? Swatha. So that if you yes, can see it, it's a visual interface and it needs to be made accessible by other means of Swatha outlined earlier, tactile, um, you name it, uh, speech output, whatever the case may be. How do you both think that um, digital medical devices might be more accessible for the blind? I'll take that one, Swatha. I I, um, I will be very direct with your audience, Brian. I, I think this is a life or death situation. Um, for people that have diabetes uh, and don't have any complications, maintaining tight blood sugar control is imperative. That's the, that's the magic recipe, uh, among other things, exercise, nutrition, but having tight control of your blood sugar is really important. So if you can see to use the best devices out there that work the best to control your diabetes, things like continuous glucose monitors, insulin pumps, which are by definition a proven um, best strategy to, to better manage your diabetes because it emulates what a normal pancreas does as far as producing insulin as needed. Um, and then you can program a bolus, like taking a shot when you need, you know, take more insulin to cover a meal and all that. But those of us that are blind and visually impaired and diabetic don't have access to these tools. And the problem, Brian, is that for someone like me, um, when you've had a complication, you are much more likely to have a, another complication on top of the initial complication because the process has already started. So um, 
just for your audience's knowledge, so you lose your vision, you can have kidney disease and have to go on dialysis or have to have a transplant. You can have cardiac issues where your heart doesn't work properly and you could, you know, you could die. Um, you have issues with your extremities. They call it diabetic neuropathy, which, you're, which is where your feeling isn't as good because your nerves are damaged by not being a well-controlled diabetic. All these things are complications, obviously leading up to the worst one, which is death. So I make a pretty strong case. I think that uh, if we don't have access to these devices as blind and vision impaired diabetics, um, our chances of having more complications go significantly higher. um, And we also have a much higher morbidity rate, just to be blunt. That just sounds like tough talk, but that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Sad but true. Would the passage of the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act make sure that the product manufacturers really incorporate these accessibility features in the starting stages of developing new medical products? And how would this bill be enforced? Yeah, that is the goal, um, to, to make sure that developers incorporate accessible, accessible uh, this will design in the beginning stages of development um, and new products and to make sure that, um, yeah, so right now, um, how it plans to be enforced if it passes is that the export will um, develop, develop guidelines to make them accessible and to make everybody accessible. So um, they will add guidelines to um have them be audible, audible tones, or have them have tactile, tactile markings, or um, speech output, and um, then it will just be up to the FDA and um, to enforce those rules. So, yeah, what they want to do, Brian, is they want to again integrate universal design, which is makes everything accessible to everybody. Just think of curb cuts, folks. Um, curb cuts are great for. Um, people in wheelchairs are great for people riding bikes or great for people, moms pushing strollers. I mean, so that that's universal design. Um, and that's what we need to have integrated into these devices so that uh, out of the box, they work for everybody. Um, and also, we also don't want to have them develop separate products that would just be proprietary to blind and visually, vision impaired diabetics, because of course that would make the cost go way up. So um it's really important that, I mean, we're such in the beginning part of this process right now that this, I'm sure the legislation is going to be, you know, modified and amended and changed many, many times before it gets, you know, to its final form. And, uh, but so again, just to reiterate my call to action to your audience is that we need you to reach out to your house members and ask them to co-sign this bill, co-sponsor this bill. Uh, 4853 in the House and on the Senate side, ask your senators to um, craft legislation as a companion bill on the Senate side so that we can bring the two together and make music, as they say. Yes. Let's make it happen. Um, (laughs) Will the Senate ever come up with a comparison bill for this? Are they in the planning stages of that? What's going on there? I I can try and take that one, Swath. I mean, I, I, um, Susan Collins introduced a bill that doesn't have to do with accessibility right now, but it has to do with the cost of diabetes-related stuff, you know, glucose meters, continuous glucose monitors, all that stuff. And I think, I mean, I would defer to Swatha on some of this, but there is some some strategy being discussed as to 
can we integrate, you know, this universal design concept into her bill and make it a companion bill to HR 4853? I, I don't know. That's above my pay grade. But Swatha, maybe you can have more information about what ACB's strategic plan is on how to proceed with that. Cause that it could be a Susan Collins bill could be a great start. Cause you know, whether you're blind or not, the cost of diabetes supplies is through the roof. Of course, we all know insulin is through the roof and, um, and it's getting worse every day. So um, cost is a big part of it. But as I like to say, uh, Brian, I don't care how much it costs or how inexpensive it is. If it's not fully accessible, it won't work for me. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, just kind of echo what Tom said. Um, it'd be great to integrate the two bills in or two concepts into one bill to, to add as a companion to the HR 4-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-
access to these really important biotech biotechnological devices uh, that blind and visually impaired diabetics need to best manage your disease. Um, and so to me, again, you know, if you don't manage your disease, you don't take care of your diabetes either because you don't care or you don't have the right tools or whatever. Um, it's going to be in a very expensive bill for society because when you start having complications, you think about, as I said, you know, neuropathy, kidney failure, heart problems, um, you name it. That's a heck of a lot more expensive uh, to treat, in my opinion, uh, than it is to actually compel a farmer to make these devices fully accessible because those, if those devices are fully accessible, they can improve everyone's life. They can live a longer, happier, healthier life. And I think that's pretty much the goal. Everyone, how might ACB members and our listeners support HR 4853 and contact the representatives and urge them to support the new bill? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll take this, Tom. Um, so we do, we, we, we do encourage our members to call their, our Congress, members, members of Congress, Congress, members of Congress and, um, by the phones or email them by their websites, um, to support to ask them to support the bill, and once you do, you can call us or email us at advocacy at acb.org and um, let, let us know who you called and who, who um, they said. So, yes, yeah, Watha, can you give out those numbers and possibly a way to find your house member's email address? Yes, absolutely. Um, so the phone number for the Capital Switchboard is 202-224-3121. And um, if, if you call that number, you'll get the, you can ask for your member directly. Or um, you can go to house.gov and search for your member using your five-digit five code. So. Beautiful. Exactly right. Uh, it's... it's um... I will just say, I, Brian, uh, to your audience uh, that may be thinking, wow, this sounds like a lot of work. It really isn't. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I made my calls in 15 minutes. Uh, I never I never spoke to any congressman or woman or senator, but I spoke to their staffers, and this is their job. They want to hear what their constituents are interested in. Uh, so all I can say is, as president of ACB Diabetics in Action, I, I, I beg you guys out there to make those calls make your voice heard. Um, the only way we're going to get this done is to get numbers and to get our yeah. congressmen and women and senators to understand that this is really, really important um, to the vision impaired community that is living with diabetes. Um, this is truly a life or death uh, situation, Brian. Swatha and Tom, is there anything else you both would like to add? Ladies first. Get done. <laughs> No, I just, I just want to again reiterate for thank you for having Swatha and I on, and um, you know, again, just uh, encourage uh, your listeners to call the number Swatha gave two zero two 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 four three one two one. Reach out to your congressman or woman and senator, and um, that number will get you there. And you might get into a little bit of a personal conversation as to why, but really, that's up to you, and uh, depending on how you want to handle it. So, as I said, my. I made my calls in 15 minutes, and it was really very easy. Everyone, let's hope let's hope this act makes it possible for the blind to independently independently use home medical devices to keep themselves healthy. Swatha and Tom, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, Brian. You're welcome.
Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website, that's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes in show news tab. And my show archive is at speaking-out-for-blind.pinecast.co. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening. And remember to speak out. The American Council of Blind Lions, ACBL, is the affiliate that roars, and that's no lion. ACBL holds monthly conference calls and ACB convention events that help people who are blind or visually impaired become more involved in local Lions clubs. Find out more. Call 502-897-1472 or email lions.acb at gmail.com. Thank you for calling the ACB radio and information line brought to you by Xenomedia. 518-906-1820. That's 518-906-1820. We are Friends in Art, an affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. We sing, compose songs and poems, play musical instruments, read and write books, paint pictures, and take photographs. We are playwrights, potters, sculptors, weavers, and storytellers. We are members of the audience and patrons of art museums. We celebrate beauty in all that surrounds us. We are Friends in Art. Join us in the art parlor for stimulating interviews, thoughtful conversations, and the latest art-related information beginning each Saturday at 8 p.m. on ACB Radio Mainstream. California, Florida, Iowa, Texas, guide dog users, students, IT professionals, government employees. The American Council of the Blind has members in all 50 states and is actively engaged in a wide variety of activities. We advocate for the education, employment, and social inclusion of all blind and visually impaired Americans. We publish a monthly magazine. We hold an annual conference and convention and operate a multi-channel internet radio station. Check us out at acb.org. Together, we can do anything. ACB Radio